So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Hosers. I'm Chris Killingsworth and joining me as always is my co-host Carter Lupel. Carter, what's going on? How's it going, Chris? Mouthful of pizza. (laughs) Outed. Sorry, buddy. Busted. (laughs) I had to fucking out you for that. Uh, We are recording uh, in my apartment on uh, Tuesday, March 20th. I can't even pretend that we haven't been together all day. We've literally (laughs) been together since 5 o'clock this morning. And uh, yeah, we're happy to be back. So episode 9, one episode away from double digits. Oh my goodness, we've made it this deep. I know, surprised it's gone this far to be honest. (laughs) But um, listen, I know we catch ourselves in these situations where we say we're a weekly podcast. I'm comfortable now to say that we are uh, record whenever the hell we want to. And that's not meant in like a shitty way, it's just... Life seems to get in the way sometimes, and I get very stressed out when we don't record weekly, and I'm not putting that pressure on myself anymore. All right? <laughs> There's just too many sponsorships across the table. We got we to gotta sit back and weigh out our options. <laughs> no, you're right. It's true. <laughs> but uh, in any case, we're back after a delay of a couple of weeks, but uh, you know, it just seemed like every time we were going to record, something kind of came up. Um, obviously, we were going to be doing this episode with our friends from Ottawa, uh, Chris Forsyth and Andrew Narraway, but you know, life comes up for them too, and we're going to get back on track with them hopefully in the next couple of episodes yeah. and address kind of what's going on in Ottawa. Well, it's kind of tough too, just like with all of the info that we talk about being so topical. Yes. It's not like we can backlog a recording or anything like that. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. as soon as we record it, it's already passed. Right. No, 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 it's true. And it's funny because I was looking at notes that I had made from when we were going to record a couple of weeks ago. And it was literally like, Carolina, their new owner comes in and cleans house. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is not even really that relevant anymore. Right. So anyways, we're going to go through it. Um, On a more somber note, um, it came out today that Eric Carlson and his wife, Melinda, um, their son had passed away. Um, This podcast is meant to be for me at least, and for a lot of other people, an escape from some of the very real things that go on uh, in our lives. But uh, I'd be remiss to not mention it. So our hearts are with you, Eric and Melinda, and um, we're with you. Yeah. Now, the last episode that we recorded, we were supposed to, well, we weren't supposed to, we did go on vacation prior to the episode. Sorry, I'm just going to open up my bevy. Whoa. Ooh, do the bear cat. <laughs> oh my god. So I'm drinking a uh, Stadium Island. Uh, you guys know I'm like a Brickworks Cider House guy. This is the peach cider. Ooh. So 
Anyways, I'll give you. Hold on, guys. I'm um. I'm drinking a Nestle Pure Life Sparkling Original. Oh, this is good. Yeah. I can't say the same about your <laughs> sparkling water. <laughs> Carter and I went and got pizza. Um, we had a very busy day, which we're going to get to in a little bit here. But we went to go get some pizza from uh, what used to be called Ital Pizza, which was kind of our pizza spot growing up right beside the high school that Carter and I went to. And now it's a different place. Um, Rome? Rome Pizza? Is that what it's called? Rome Pizza and Chicken. Rome Pizza and Chicken. <laughs> Um, and Carter was looking for sparkling water at a pizza joint and you guys can just imagine how that went. So he found it at giant tiger. Almost didn't though. Almost (laughs) didn't though. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, let's get into your vacation. How was Mont Tremblant? Is that how you say it? Mont Tremblant. You can say it with a bit more of a pizzazz Mont Tremblant. There you go. So what did you guys do? Um, well, normally people ski there, so we... Listen, buddy, <laughs> you don't just ski there. You also take Instagram photos. Yeah, that's what a lot. That's what my brothers and sisters were doing. Um, I, for Christmas, took my, uh, or got my family a trip to Tremblant for the weekend at a lodge up there. Um, excuse me, just the, the siblings that are old enough to uh, go out to the bars. So we all went and partied and, uh, excuse me, I have the hiccups now. <laughs> we had, this is what you've done. You've done this, this to yourself. I've ruined it. Um, <laughs> So we went to Trombla. Um, bit of a fucking light show. Um, How so? Did I not tell you the engine exploded? Oh in yeah, my dad's yeah, car? yeah, yeah. The engine exploded. So we. This seems to be a theme for the Lupels, man. You guys shouldn't be allowed near cars. We're cursed. <laughs> um, so drove from Toronto. I left straight from work. Um, picked up Chrissy and Whippy. So it was me, um, Cooper, Chrissy. And we were heading to Ottawa to pick up my sister Kennedy, who goes to university there, and Chris Forsyth. Um, and when we, when we got to uh, Prescott, Ontario, which is basically where the highway is, where you get off the 401 to get on the highway to go up to Ottawa, the engine blew up in my dad's truck at about midnight. <laughs> so prior to that, we were stuck at stop track because there's a whiteout snowstorm. And a tractor trailer had blocked off all lanes of the eastbound 401. And so we were stuck for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Sounds like you guys were eastbound and down, you might say. <laughs> Do the bear cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we uh, actually turned around, drove down the other side, like drove down the wrong way down the highway, got off on like... It sounds like of, a GTA episode. Yeah, one of the like, one of the OPP turnaround spots. And then started going west, got off the highway, took the back roads, got back on. We're like, we're fucking home free. We're, we're off this traffic. We're going to be in Trombla in no time. And then the engine blows up. And then um, we got there. We skied. Um, trucks, no blading, though. No blading. <laughs> no, I saw a few bladers. <laughs> it's terrible. A couple like, people reached out to me after the most recent episode and said, like, you don't know what you're missing with snow blading. Like, it's actually a lot of fun. Oh, my God. I know exactly what I'm missing. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, people say the same thing about Boots and Hearts, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like rushing to go and see. Maybe we'll get Paul on here one day to tell us how Boots and Hearts is. <laughs> we might have to. Or Cooper. But yeah, we, uh, we skied, had a, had a blast, and then um, back to real life. And then you had a vacation as well. Yeah. So uh, we went away to uh, Montreal, which was 
fucking awesome. I love Montreal. Got to be like one of my top five cities, I would say, of places that I visited. Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because every time I go over the border, I play this game of like, how long can I speak French for before I'm like outed as not being a French Canadian? And we literally got over the border into Quebec and had to get gas. And the gas attendant behind the counter at the the station there says, uh, bonjour. And I go, hi. Like totally panicked. Couldn't even say hi back. So when we went to Tremblant, we, uh, two brothers from uh, New Hampshire came and visited us there and snowboarded with us for the weekend. Oh, right. Yeah, you were telling me about them. Yeah. And um, one of the, like... I forget where we were at a restaurant or like at a convenience store or something. And they said, bonjour. And the one brother went, Poof. Like, <laughs> oh, you can't do that. laughed. And I was like, holy. Oh, you can't do that. I like put my hand over his mouth and dragged him up to the car. I was like, not here. Yeah. Not here. Y'all can't do that around here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, y'all keep it to yourselves. Okay? <laughs> That's crazy. Well, when we were there, we got to Montreal. We went out for dinner at this uh like kind of pub near the hotel that we stayed at and we stayed at this hotel called the Bon Adventure oh at least that's how you say it with the pizzazz <laughs> and it's the one of I would guess not very not very many uh, hotels in Canada that have an outside heated pool oh nice and it was like if you've never done this before you got to try it like oh, yeah. snow everywhere. It's well, cold outside. They have it at Carriage Hills. We should go do it next winter. Love it. Sign <laughs> me up. But yeah, we went to this pub, like I was saying, and and um, basically it was just kind of a gong show because I'm like not a huge beer guy. Like for those of you guys who don't know, I didn't drink for a very long time, like over 10 years. And then in the last couple of years, I've started dabbling a little bit and I'm like such a wimp when it comes to beer. Like <laughs> I'm just, uh, it's, it's not good. Anyways, they, they basically teased me to my face, but in French, which is fine. <laughs> I'll give them that. Uh, yeah. And then we went to this place called the Nordic spa, which is in Gatineau. Uh, and we did like literally, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, we did like massages. We went in this pool that is um, meant to replicate like the dead sea. So you just float in this pool, which is crazy. Like you can't sink, but if you get the salt in your eyes, you're fucking done for the day. And your boy (laughs) got it not only in his mouth, but in his eyes as well. That's what she said. (laughs) I set you up for that. (laughs) Anyways, Uh, But no, great vacation, feeling good. I loved my trip so much that I left my wallet in Ottawa. Uh, Left your your heart in Montreal and your wallet in Ottawa. Yeah, sounds like the name of a song. (laughs) But uh, shout out to my friend Lance Brown, who drove over to the diner where I left my wallet (laughs) and then uh, sent it to me. Was it the Elgin Street Diner? No, no. We went to this place called Zach's. Which is in like the Byward Market. Oh, okay. It was really good. Like the food was awesome. Um, but yeah, the good news is is that I know that I can go uh, a week plus without my wallet and still be okay. So this is gonna be really bad. I didn't know my like license card expired a few years back, mm. and I only ever kept it in the top of the truck. Well, you don't drive like ever. Really. I rarely ever drive. Yeah. Like living in the city and university and stuff like that. 
So I just always kept it in the bill of the family truck, like, or the visor, sorry. And then when we went on tour with a band called Swamps a few years back, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just, like, take my license and put it in my wallet because <laughs> we were taking a different vehicle. And I had been driving for, like, five years with expired <laughs> license. Yeah. And at that point, there's, like, no excuse. There's, like, oh, like, oh shit, it must have just, like, expired yesterday. Yeah, the like, OPP just puts you right in jail. Yeah. That's so, the end. Long story short, easy fix. I just had to go, <laughs> go ask for another one at Service Ontario. Yeah. I got all my new ID. Like, oh, new yeah. health card, new driver's license, which was good because even though I lost my wallet, yeah. my driver's license was still, like, I or pardon me, even though I lost my driver's license in my wallet, mm-hmm. my new health card had come. So I had, like, a single piece of photo ID oh, if I nice. needed it. But uh, in any case... But yeah, it turns out if you don't drive like an idiot, they won't pull you over. Yeah, who would have thought? All you have to do is follow the rules of the road. <laughs> yeah. Which is like an imperfect uh, scenario. But in any case, um, David Wilcox was our intro this week. Um, you guys know that uh, we pride ourselves on, on intros that uh, are fun. Have you ever seen David Wilcox before? Um, he's played Barry a few times. A few hundred <laughs> times, probably. Him and April Wine. That's I like think, my dream scenario. I think April Wine played the even days of the year in Barry. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Wilcox plays the odd days of the year in Barry. Yeah. And I like, I don't think like to, to some of our peeps that listen um, outside of Ontario and the few of you that live outside of Canada, David Wilcox is like a Canadian treasure or I don't know, maybe I'm reaching maybe like an Ontario treasure <laughs> in the, in the ranks of like Kim Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyways, uh, the intro song this week was do the Bearcat," um Bubble. which is a great Bubble. song yeah like <laughs> some of the noises his guitar makes is sick in that song but um basically i had a story this week about going to see david wilcox when i was in grade 12 because <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like one of the like funnier concert going stories i have in my life of like playing in bands hardcore bands metal bands punk bands whatever but the most violent show i've ever been at was a david wilcox show Hell yeah so um it would have been probably 2007 or 2008 it may have been the year after high school i can't remember but my stepdad and my older brother and me obviously and uh we i think my older brother may have had a couple of friends that came along. But anyways, we went to go and see David Wilcox at a arena in Stroud, Ontario, which is just outside of Barrie. And it's just it's just a hockey arena. Like there's a single platform, like a single rink, nothing else really in there. And it was just David Wilcox playing. Oh, that's amazing. There may actually I think there may have been an opener, but like we maybe got there too late. But anyways, David Wilcox played for him. <laughs> no. Basically what ended up happening was the beer gardens at this gig was just wild. By the time we had already got there, everybody was drunk. Like, literally everybody that was there. And the cops were there. A bunch of bad apples there, huh? <sighs> Buttons. That's topical. I'll take that. <laughs> they started playing, or David Wilcox and like his backing band played. And for those of you guys who don't know, David Wilcox is blind. So he gets like basically brought to the center of the stage. And then from there, he kind of knows his place, knows how to like adjust his mic and his pedals and all that stuff, which is kind of interesting to see him 
like continue to play even though he's blind. So anyways, he starts playing and it was like Hatebreed started playing. The fucking <laughs> the, the the middle of the room like expands. <clears throat> There's people like moshing, like push moshing. Um, there's people falling everywhere because everyone's Wilcox. drunk for David Wilcox. Holy fuck. It was nuts. And like, it was so crazy because, um, you know, growing up and like playing in hardcore bands and stuff like that, the vibe does like the vibe of people moshing around me doesn't bother me. Like I can stand there. Like so you, you just naturally started side to side. No, <laughs> no. Well, I remember just being so thrown off by it. And any, anyways, somebody spilt a drink on me and yeah. I cocked my hand back and punched him in the back of the head as hard as I could. Ooh, you're Bertuzzi. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, basically. And he went down like a sack of potatoes and then his buddy kind of looked at me and then just kind of walked away. He was like, oh, well. He fucking spilt a beer on you. Like, this is sometimes how this goes. So naturally, you should sock him as hard as you can. In the yeah, spinal yeah. at this point, I was just, I was in a, like a place in my life where I was like, drunk people fucking suck. Keep your beer away from me. <laughs> like, that's where I was kind of in, in that headspace. But then, yeah, fights were breaking out left, right, and center. <clears throat> I watched my stepdad jersey a guy, and Hell like, yeah. it was fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that sounds like Wilcox. And then, yeah, exactly. And then the show had to, and he, Again, he's he just, visually impaired, so he, just he doesn't. Thinks everyone's dancing, he's right? Like, all he hears is <laughs> right. the crowd wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and no one know. Like he, I mean, maybe he knew what was going on, but in any case, if you can just imagine how fucking <laughs> out, like just crazy that would have been. Anyways, the show um, he ended up only playing like eight songs, and then they shut it down. So, well, that's what you get for playing in Stroud. This right? is what you get for playing in Stroud. Anyways. Um, we're going to get into some, some <coughs> hockey talk. As you guys know, we like to bullshit for the first little bit, <laughs> get all the nonsense out of us. But um, before we get to that, just a couple quick housekeeping notes. Um, I disabled the Twitter uh, account for hosers. Yeah, sorry. To be honest with you guys, it didn't make any sense for us to have a fucking Twitter when you and I are... I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. You're pretty active as it is. I felt like we just had this account that was just kind of fucking sitting there. So yeah, no, that makes sense. If anybody uh, is ever interested or like has feedback about us bringing back like some type of social media presence for the podcast, we'll take the feedback. But for the time being, we don't need it. Uh, on a positive spin, um, I have the most clever Twitter name of all time. Yeah. Well, let me preface it. Killingsworth is my last name. Yeah. And my new Twitter handle is at penalty kills. <laughs> I don't have to sell it to you. No, you fuck. I was sold immediately after I saw it. Cause you followed Chris Forsyth while we were in Trombla. Yes. And he was like, Oh, Chris followed me. Look and showed me his phone. And I was like, penalty kills. Brilliant. <laughs> That's the funniest name ever. Yeah. It's taken this long to try and take my love of hockey and my love of getting out of your own zone and here we are <laughs> speaking of getting out of your own zone today was our last tournament for uh the hockey team that carter's the head coach of i'm one of his assistant coaches before we get into kind of our own um hockey talk as it were in the national hockey league how do you feel about today like i know we got up super fucking early we got up at five o'clock 
We drove around for a bit. At Starbs, our great Canadian bagel. Had an amazing bagel at GCB. Uh, and it, sorry. I was going to say we had a classic berry day. We did, yeah. It was like a very like berry heavy day. We drove out to Shanty Bay for a bit. Um, yeah, just kind of went for a drive and chatted. And um, yeah, this, the end of the season for me is like very bittersweet. Because yeah. for me, I felt for a long time that you know, as I was getting older, feeling like maybe I didn't have as many like hobbies or, you know, extracurricular things to like look forward to outside of my job and, you know, a couple of other things. Coaching the team and being a part of what you were doing, like for me personally, was very, very, very positive for me. Um, Just in terms of like, you know, having something I could literally look forward to every week um, and tournaments and games and getting to know the guys um, I'm going to put it to you. This year was kind of your first year as a coach. Yeah. What would you say your biggest learn or your biggest, um, like, what are you taking away from your first year of coaching that you want to bring into next season? Um, I just need to find out how to get to the kids. Like it was, you basically like try on a whole bunch of different hats and you realize none of those hats work to get through the kids. Yeah. Like, and I guess the biggest realization is that it's a different generation of hockey players. Like for me, I, when I grew up, if I was given the opportunity to skate, nothing else in the world mattered. Like I was, I dropped everything and I was there. You know what I mean? So we had attendance issues all year. We had, excuse me, attitude issues all year. We had strikes, we had everything. Um, and a few of the kids were there every single time, but the great majority of the kids, like, basically could care less if they were part of, like, a men's varsity hockey team. Yeah. And it blew my mind, because, like, that's not how it flew when I, like, played in university. That's, like, you'd be gone so fast, but, like, we didn't have, like, a well of players, like, biting at the bit to play. So I guess my biggest takeaway for next year is that you have to set a certain pace right off the bat. And you have to reinforce the pace with, like, real-to-life consequences. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely too lenient just because of the strike and having a short roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be a bit more stern in regards to, like, not tolerating that, like, little bullshit that in turn affected our whole season. Yeah. Yeah, it is, like, even for me and, and you know, the part that I, you know, had to play and, and, and was really happy to have done it's the same type of stuff, right? Like, it's funny. My entire life, I, for the most part, as, as far as my career goes, I was always like a manager, a leader in some capacity. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, this skill that I had that I've picked up over all the years of me doing like retail management and stuff like that, that's going to translate into like being a good coach and being a good leader because you can't teach a lot of those things, right? Yeah. And I consistently found myself more challenged because of the challenges that you were facing as well and, like, what Dan was facing, the other assistant coach. Um, And, yeah, like, this season was, for me, such, like, a a big learning experience across the board. But I would agree with you in terms of, you know, just setting precedent right off the go. And, I mean, you know, we keep going back to this strike and how frustrating that was and how, at times – 
you know, you, you feel like the kids, like they're kind of like give a shit meter was, you know, towards the lower end of that spectrum yeah. just because they had been kind of dicked around all year with the strike. Well, and, yeah. Uh, but the kids that like cared, they, they felt like let down when the team was let down or if I was disappointed, they were let down like, yeah. or like when I was let down, they were disappointed in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's a few that really cared and thankfully those are the ones that are carrying over and going to be veterans next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the strike, like I won't use it as an excuse because like there's like, they should have taken it more seriously and Mm -hmm. in turn I should have executed on a few more consequences a bit more seriously. Right. Yeah. But first year you don't want to be too much of a dick and yeah, then lose, uh, or be known as that guy or not be invited back or something like that. Right. Well, luckily the three coaches are back next year, which is exciting. I'm thrilled. Um, yeah, and I and I hope that we have a bit of a better season. Yeah. This season was rough, man. Like, a bit of a challenge. We had our last tournament today. We went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. <laughs> Our first game, like, as far as the first game goes, I would summarize by just saying that we got out ahead early yeah. and just kind of maintained great pressure across the board. Um, the second game was like a defensive collapse. Oh, we just didn't show up to play. Yeah, we got smoked. It was a defensive and offensive Yeah. Collapse. Well, I mean, in the first game, the you know we, we ended up winning 4-2, to two, and then in the second game, we lost 8-1. to one. Yeah. We just got just smoked in the second game. Um, and then in the third game, we... Uh, we somehow... So we were somehow still in the quarterfinals. Yes, by some... Stroke of luck. Yeah, my understanding it was just based on the like variable, like the um, the goals against. Yeah, like the goals against and the goals for was in our favor based on our first game we played so well, and then the other teams didn't shape out that well. Like we yeah. didn't expect to, you know, be in that God, position. We were minus five. I'd hate. To- Hate to see the other guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, in college hockey, if you're in Canada, at least if your team is if the, like the, the differential is like seven goals, um, there's like a mercy uh, rule that's in effect where you they just the they run the clock out, and it's uh, it's really interesting. But we somehow managed to take the team who has been like such a challenge for us all season, St. Lawrence College. Um, if any of you guys are listening to and you go to that school, your hockey team is very good. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing with that was is like they've been, I'd say arguably aside from Trent, probably like our biggest rival on the yeah, ice. Well, they get us every time. They get us literally every time. And we had their number uh, tying the game up with a couple of minutes left. And uh, we lost in the shootout. One one goal. One goal. Just devastating. And we would have at least fared better. Um, one of our guys uh, rung a shot off the post, which we all were like positive that it had gone in. And <laughs> anyways, it's been a rough season, but looking forward to next season and, and kind of seeing where we go from there. But anywho, um, let's get into a couple of things that are going on uh, in the world of hockey right now. Um, I don't really want to drag this topic out, but obviously it's such a big topic right now. And it's goal, goaltender interference. Yeah. Huh, where do I start? Well, I mean, <laughs> right now, um, I mean, this has been documented <clears throat> by like literally every hockey podcast, every writer, everybody yeah. in the 
hockey Twitter verse has an opinion on it. And, and I would, I would tend to agree with, you know, a lot of the things that are being said. And right now the general managers are meeting in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, and obviously one of the main issues that they're going with or going through right now is goaltender interference. Um, I was reading somewhere, I think it was Scott Cullen that had called the uh, this this particular issue the hockey equivalent of the NFL catch rule. Yeah. And I don't, like, you know, I'm not a big football guy, but what yeah. is that rule, just out of curiosity? Um, so there's a lot of, like, question, like, what a complete pass is. Like, like, do they have possession of the ball? Is there ball movement, like, before they hit the ground? Things like that. Yeah. Like, there's so many different variables that constitute a complete pass in the NFL. And I think what they're trying to do is, like, give it one consistent direction. Like, okay, like, if they catch the ball and didn't drop it, it's a complete pass. Right. Rather than like, okay, their like knee went down before their other foot went down and the ball wasn't completely cradled by like both hands and like shit like that. Rather than like reviewing it for half hour, letting the like the guys go cold and like throwing the whole pace of the game off. Right. Like if he grabs it, goes down and doesn't fumble it, it's a complete pass. Yeah. And so it's not finalized yet. Like they're I believe today they all met. Okay. Um, or or they will reconvene on Saturday. I forget what it is. Yeah. Um, they they either reconvene Saturday, met today, or are reconvening. It'd be Saturday. funny if both leagues were like concurrently having like <laughs> yeah. such like such a. I, I don't want to say it's a trivial thing. Like for me, I've always been a proponent, as unpopular as this probably is, just nothing in the crease. Like, yeah. if you're in the crease at all, like, if you're in the blue, doesn't well, count. We, we saw it today. Like, we could have used some goaltender interference consistency today. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, it's brutal. And I think the challenge is, is that because the calls have just been so inconsistent, and I'm not doing this fucking, like, oh, you know, you were burned last time, so, you know, we're going to, you know, have it roll in your favor, yeah. you know, of that team the next game or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not doing that anymore. The reviews, I get. Like, yeah. y- you want to get the call right, and, you know, I know a lot of people don't like human error in sports, yeah. but that's sports. The second that we start, like, over analyzing everything yeah. um to your point like th- not only are the players becoming cold but i don't want to sit there and like scroll through my phone every single time one of these things happens so i guess my take on this would be if it's egregious it's goaltender interference like if it looks like goaltender interference which i know sounds yeah. counterproductive because even the nhl can't define <laughs> what is and what isn't yeah. as far as i'm concerned get them out of the crease if you're in the crease or have any anything going on in the crease foot in the crease anything doesn't count simple as that like if it's like if it gets in the way of the goalie's natural motion like that's my thing yeah like that like if it's your player fine like if they decide to step back like while they're forcing the guy out of the net but if that other like if the other team is like you said in the crease and stopping their natural motion then it should be something but it definitely shouldn't be under review so much like there should be a very clear direction for what is and what isn't right and they really cracked down on it like before the lockout i remember i remember i think it was a season or two before the lockout there was like a huge goaltender interference year yeah and then they <laughs> locked out well it's the same it. thing like with the offside review right like yeah. you're never gonna 
have the rule exactly where you, you know every it. fan like loves the rule yeah but i just i feel like this has been like the the theme all season like between offside reviews and you know what's going on with this goaltender interference and then you know some people like coming out and saying like i genuinely don't understand like what the description or or, like the i I don't have an understanding of what this rule is i'm like what are we doing? Like, oh yeah, we've all watched, <laughs> we've all played or watched hockey our whole lives. We know exactly what goaltender interference is. Right. Let's get our heads out of our asses. And yeah. Like it's not it's not rocket appliances. It's it's not rocket appliances. You're right. <laughs> I agree. But between goaltender interference conversation, like obviously, <clears throat> you know something else that's been coming up a lot in the last few weeks while we've been off is the MVP uh, candidates and you know the Hart Trophy voting and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and break it down just from my perspective. I want to get your perspective as well, obviously. But for me, there's, you know, there's this debate that's emerging across the board on like what valuable means and (laughs) what the Hart Trophy is versus what the Ted Lindsay is. And to me, we just got to like put a line in the sand. This is what the Hart Trophy trophy is, pardon me. And then this is what the Ted Lindsay Trophy is. And sometimes the candidate for one is going to be the same for the other. And other times it's not. So from my perspective, at least, Hart Trophy is defined as the player judged most valuable to his team. Yeah. Which is kind of a simplistic definition like let's not read in too much into each individual words you know in the sentence here but obviously people and their understanding of like what valuable means could mean several different things which we'll break down in a second and then of course you have your ted Lindsay award and that's defined as the nhl's most outstanding player in the regular season and that's judged by the nhlpa so the ted Lindsay award is judged by the players and then you have the heart trophy which is often voted upon by the professional hockey writers association yeah fair enough so kind of an interesting thought on all of this is that recently um the Hockey Writers Association now have to share their ballots where it used to be kind of like a secretive thing who voted what who was on you know X person's ballots that's all being revealed to the public so I think that's cool um, just to kind of get a perspective and and hold people accountable to the votes that they have Um, but the other part here is is just understanding you know what the heart trophy is and what it means. And I think it means, you know, different things to each person. Yeah. It's, you know, out there, obviously on, on things like Twitter and, and in a lot of pieces that I've read in the last few weeks that, you know, teams and players could be disqualified because their teams aren't competitive or the teammates are like almost too good or they've been doing too well. And, you know, there are circumstances obviously where, there's been players who win the Hart Trophy that, you know, didn't make the playoffs. And the most recent time that that happened was when Mario Lemieux scored 168 points in 77 games in the late yeah. 80s. Um, and that was a period of time where somebody won, won the Hart Trophy without going into um, the playoffs. But for me, and, and how I would define it, is who's the most valuable person to their team? And yeah. I, the, the, the kind of lens that I have for this is... I look at kind of body of work and in some cases 
I almost look at like where they were at the beginning of the season, like what the expectations were for that team and where they're at now. So like when I think of the Hart Trophy for this year, I've got two people that I've been really thinking about. One would be Pecorine, who's had an outstanding season with Nashville. Um, like legitimately one of the better seasons from him um, that we've seen in a long time. And there was all this conversation about his inconsistency. They were even talking last year about maybe trading him and then UC Soros being the starting goaltender. Um, And, you know, obviously I wouldn't say it's a coming out party. Like we've known that he's an elite goaltender for a long time, but we're at a point now where, um, you know, I think the world hockey world as a whole um, is seeing what he's able to put together which is great yeah and for me when I think about like expectations on the season I think of Colorado and I think that team wasn't expected to be good there was all this drama about was Duchesne like going was he staying um you know there's you know Semyon Varlamov was injured for a good chunk of the season Mm -hmm. Jonathan Bernier came out of somewhere and was stealing them a few games here and there and for me based on their performance I personally have to go uh with uh, Nathan McKinnon yeah he's he's been really 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 great and we're going to get into the avalanche and this kind of turnaround that they've had in a couple of minutes here but based on that and based on expectations and who has been (coughs) so valuable to their team my heart and my head go to somebody like nathan mckinnon what do you think yeah, no, that's a great point, um, especially like considering the turnaround and what people expected of them. Um, my head goes a few places, um, not just because I like pinned myself to the Golden Knights like at the beginning of the year, but people expected them to flop. You're going to say William Carlson, aren't you? No, I was going to go Neil. Neil? Okay. Real deal Neil. Like, <laughs> Even though he's been injured for like a good chunk of the season? He's still like, he's still been the glue. Like, yeah. Like it's... Um, he was somewhat like, I don't know, just no one expected the Knights to do well. Yeah. And he was, he built a lot of the foundation that like put, pushed them to where they are right now. Right. Well, he was like their like quote unquote veteran presence, captain without the C, all that stuff. So yeah, he had a lot on his shoulders this year, like a new team, a team in Vegas. Yeah, no, you're right. I honestly wasn't even really looking at it from the Vegas angle. Yeah. For me, I... Like, Neil is actually not out of the question. I would say also, like, William Carlson. I thought you were going to say him. Just having an outstanding season um, for a guy who was, you know, made available by Columbus. They didn't think that they could really do anything (laughs) with a guy like him. And I think he's going to regress. Like, his shooting percentage and stuff like that is really really outlandish and yeah. i and i don't think it's sustainable long term i do see it slipping um you know the, that that's very interesting to me i think yeah. mcdavid like that's where a lot of this is being bandied about like well mcdavid's basically like carrying this awful terrible oilers yeah. team to playoff contention just kidding they're 20 points out like that's <laughs> not going to happen yeah like why I just feel like people are really stuck on this idea of like McDavid dragging this team that's not going to make the playoffs. And I'm not saying that you need to be like in playoff contention or like on the brink of being in the playoffs to be considered for the trophy. I just think when you look at body of work and quite frankly, 
I, I like the idea of it not being the same player every year. Like I went through a period of heart trophy, um, when I was doing my show prep and there was a period of time where it was like Wayne Gretzky five years in a row and then Mario Lemieux and then Steve Iserman kind of came out of nowhere. And that was at the time an an unpopular pick. Yeah. And it's not about making like some hipster pick about like Nathan McKinnon. Like he's had an incredible season with Colorado. Um, I just feel like, you know, when you are starting to focus on some of this like tiny little bit of minutia, like candidly, I'm not going to give a shit who the heart trophy candidate or inevitable winner is three years from now. Like yeah. I'm not going to be falling asleep one night and going McKinnon. Was, who it, McKinnon? Won was <laughs> it McKinnon who won in 17, 18? Like it's not, yeah. it's not going to affect me in that way. And I get that there's people that are super passionate. Mm-hmm. I also feel like there's not enough going on in March just before the playoffs that people are almost, yeah. you know, arguing or, you know, defending a point that's kind of just like, yeah, come on, like go for a walk. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, you know, that being said, uh, the, the Ted Lindsay award is, you know, an, um, an, an award that is judged upon from the players. So I think we'll get, you know, I do feel like McDavid is going to probably win that award just based on the the pedestal and it's deserved. Don't get me wrong. He is, you know, arguably the best player in the world. It's just, I feel like that's a very easy pick for the players. So we'll see. Um, if you were going to say who is going to win each award, like right now, who would you guess? For each award right now. Well, let's just do like the Hart Trophy, and let's go to the uh, the Ted Lindsay. Um, so, I guess I have two unpopular opinions. And <laughs> okay, well, which is cool, but who yeah. do you think will win? Like, if you know it's unpopular, if you just come out of somewhere like out of nowhere, and you're like, you know. William Nylander, like <laughs> we know he's not even really in the conversation despite, you know, having a fairly decent season this yeah. year. Who do you, who do you think ends up getting it? I don't even know. Like it's a toss up for me. Like can we just both say McKinnon? <laughs> yeah, nice. I think we've shit on the Avalanche enough this year yeah. to not. But I like so my mind and it would be like cool like so with Crosby and like coming into the season not knowing how long he's going to last and people wondering, like, okay, does Malcolm survive without Crosby? Yeah. They turned to, like, Kessel to, like... Like, that was basically who they put... Like... Yeah, and well, Malkin's had, like, an incredible season as well, but right? Th- and I think that's because they took the weight off of Crosby and Malkin because of Crosby's uncertainty and put all of that, like, two-ton weight on, on Kessel's shoulders. Yeah, and I mean... Like, listen, I love Phil Kessel. Yeah, he's um, not a heart trophy He should have won the Conn Smythe. Yeah. Like, we've, we've kind of talked about this already. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I could see Malkin sneaking into that conversation. Yeah. I, I don't, like, Crosby's always kind of there. Yeah. Like, like a McDavid, when you have these top-tier, yeah. elite, elite, elite franchise players. Yeah. They're kind Mal- of always Malkin in the conversation. Totally in. But I could see Malkin, for sure. Yeah. Like, depending on, you know, what what uh pittsburgh does in the last little bit here right and i mean yeah malkin's um he's up there in the scoring race as well yeah right um so that's what i mean like they put the weight on kessel and kind of took it off of crosby and malkin a bit and it allowed all three of them to just blow it out of the fucking water yeah and they've had a lot more fun with kessel this year too like yeah. you see that he's like he's always well, I wouldn't say he's always been this larger than life personality, but it's more so, so much more clear, like so much more clear to me that the way that 
that Phil, uh, Philadelphia, oops, Pittsburgh castle (laughs) that like the way that Pittsburgh is kind of like using him and using his personality and how he's like kind of this oddity, like weird guy Yeah, where like Toronto was never doing that kind of thing. So uh, I miss Phil. I literally miss Phil all the time. Yeah. But, um, when we go back to Colorado, obviously they had a terrible season last year and I'm psyched for Colorado. I know in earlier episodes, I, talked about how much I hate them and you know I I may be changing my mind a little bit on them (laughs) right now Um, they had 48 points last season and they've had this amazing turnaround um, which has been great because I feel like they've been competitive and they've been in it all season yeah Um, they've had a couple regulation losses in the last uh, 14 games um, and everything is kind of being propelled by Nathan McKinnon, who um, obviously had an injury earlier this year, but is up to 28 points, 14 goals, uh, 14 assists, and he's kind of back towards the top of the scoring race. When you think about, you know, some of the other awards that are coming up, because we're getting close to that time where there's conversation, do you think that there's any consideration for head coach Jared Bednar for the Jack Adams uh, award as far as his coaching goes like do you think that he may be in the conversation just based on where he took that team last year and where they could be going depending on how the next few weeks shape out um yeah like if things fare well for them then obviously he'd be a contender in the race but we got to see how they fare right yeah like it's yeah, it's tough to say because like well he'll he'll win the award and then get fired next year because that's yeah, how these that's things, how Colorado that's, does it right well that, I'd say like any team who wins the Jack Adams yeah or like head coach that wins the Jack Adams like this is generally how it goes where we like blow their head up so big that everyone's like oh this this coach is amazing he's perfect he's all of these <laughs> things and then it doesn't always work out right but I mean I also look at the scenario that was going on in Philadelphia where earlier yeah. this year um, their head coach had was being roasted by everybody, Philly fans uh, and, and, you know, Philly media alike. And now he's like, now that they're doing well, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you know, he's really not that bad. Like, let's give Dave a chance, you know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think for me, when you look at, you know, this award season, there's probably nothing more exciting right now than the rocket Richard race. Yeah. The triple R, if you will. (laughs) Um, and I think what's like, obviously been such a huge story was, uh, Ovechkin getting his 600th goal last week. Did you see the goal? I didn't see the goal. Pretty ugly. (laughs) Like basically he like a goal is a goal. Yeah. Like he was, yeah, of course. But I mean, I wish it was one of his like trademark, you know, wired it yeah wired it yeah exactly but it was i think he was like just kind of digging a little bit yeah yeah exactly (laughs) got got it on his on his like third shot it finally went in um but all of this stuff that's going on with patrick line uh has been really fun man like the ugliest man in the nh well like this beard thing um yes he looks kind of funny but like i think it speaks to his personality apparently the only reason that he was growing this beard was to win a bet against like a friend or like a cousin or something like that <laughs> um and, and i can't remember like what the stipulation was on the bet but like this guy is committed to having this ugly really beard. funny looking beard but 
he's been incredible. Like he scored 18 goals um, in the last 15 games. He's like catching up to Ovechkin. They've been kind of bantering a little bit in their, in their pressers as well. (laughs) Like, um, you know, Patrick Laine's always been super vocal about wanting to catch up to Ovechkin and and like wanting to be like a prolific goal scorer, which is exciting uh, for Winnipeg fans. Um, And what I'm trying to say here is like, if Patrick Laine uh, ends up winning the goals race like I'm co- completely cool with that oh, absolutely. like I want it like Ovechkin's won it before so yeah. it's kind of like well you want someone who's hungry as well like and line a is so hungry yeah like and if you think back to like Ovechkin in the early years that's exactly what he was doing he was yeah. biting at the bit he was causing shit he was yeah. I don't play defense I play hockey yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he was and yeah. like Patrick line is like kind of like following he's a bit more two-way minded than Ovechkin was but. yeah well I mean it's it's interesting because I think Ovi like has like a physical presence like he'll lay guys out and I've seen it happen now time, like time his time first again. couple of years he was finding it right now he's but line a like he's definitely a presence both ways right yeah like coming out of the west for you know when we're when we're thinking about what's going to end up happening and how the playoffs are going to shake out. Like it's got to be Nashville or Winnipeg for me. Like yeah. Winnipeg is stacked. Um, and after their acquisition of Peter Stastny, like I just feel like they're, they're poised to be like a deep team. If, if their goaltending can stay where, where we want it to be. Right. Yeah. Um, in the last uh, few minutes that we have left, just a couple of like quick hits. Um, the predators and the lightning have clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, um, and I have here in my notes, Rene is the best goalie in the NHL. Hopefully, that remains topical to when you listen to this. <laughs> but like I said earlier, like just having a, a crazy run, and I mean the Lightning are like the super team right now. Um, there, there's a team who deserves something. Absolutely, we know that the Canucks, the Coyotes, and the Sabers have been eliminated from playoff contention. Are you surprised by any of those teams? No. Not even a little bit? <laughs> Not even a little bit. Like, it's it sucks for the Sedin brothers because there go their... Like, I don't think we'll see them in the NHL next year. I think we'll, I think we'll see them on a one-year one, one, year, a one year so? deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. I don't think I don't think they hang it up because I feel like if they come back on, like, a team-friendly deal, three and a half million maybe. Oh, man. I each. don't even know. Like no, I could see it. And, and I see it because, as you guys know, I'm a big... Uh, be a GM franchise mode guy in NHL and they always come back. They always come back for one year. <laughs> sometimes with my team, sometimes with other teams. But Yeah. And then the Yotes. Sorry Tim. Yeah, sorry Tim Wah. That's all I have to say. I just I this season for them has like, you know, we talked about it, you know, from like what our second or third episode when we had Tim on and it's like you know they didn't have goaltending Ranta was injured then Stepan was injured and now I mean they've been hot like the last little while which is good they're still one of the worst teams in the league (laughs) um I feel like you know we've got this kind of race right now for Rasmus Dahlin um which I'm so excited about when we were out for for uh, your birthday dinner on Saturday. Happy birthday, Carter. 28. Thanks, buddy. Um, I was talking to Thomas, uh, our friend um, Thomas Williams from the Wings Nation, and we were talking about, you know, Darlene and, and, you know, where it would be kind of cool to see him end up. Tim, if you're listening, maybe mute the next 15 seconds. My concern would be is that if Darlene ends up going to a team like Arizona, like, 
it's just going to continue being the same shit that we've seen with Ekman Larson where, you know, they're, they're not able to do very much. The most yeah. Arizona thing ever happened uh, a couple of days ago where they recalled Dylan Strom from the Tucson Roadrunners just <laughs> to send him back down within literally three hours. Yeah. And I don't know if that, I mean, it was probably a paper transaction, you know, um, so that he'd be eligible for the AHL playoffs. But yeah. I still thought that that was very funny. Like, I remember <laughs> refreshing my Twitter and then he got, he got called up and I was like, good, he's been fucking awesome in the AHL. And then within a couple of hours he was sent down again but um and then of course the sabers which we haven't really talked too much about for good reason i think yeah i mean there's not much going on there i think this this year jason botterill probably takes a look at some of those contracts and moves on from them um i feel like ryan o'reilly gets moved i feel like they may keep wrist in. i feel like they move on from sam reinhardt um and try and get some help on the back end although the front end's not looking very good either so well they, they dealt all of their like useful assets yeah, well, I mean, in recent years, for sure. But, I mean, you know, their goaltending is terrible. Like, yeah. I feel like they're going to probably have to keep Robin Leonard for another year. Um, and he's yeah. been <laughs> very average. He went for a first-round pick a few years ago, Holy like to Ottawa, fuck. if you don't remember. I don't remember that. Um, and he, you know, people were pretty convinced that he was the real deal. And, he, I, I mean... It's hard when you look at his sample size and he's had some injury problems and the Sabres have been kind of a tire fire um, on top of that. But um, in any case, those three teams do not surprise me that they're out of the playoffs. So (laughs) we'll see what happens. Uh, In other news, our uh, friends, the Carolina Hurricanes, can't decide what they're doing with their GM. Uh, (laughs) I... You know, it was reported, uh, I think it was this past Saturday at Headlines, which I watched at your birthday party. I was paying attention to the birthday stuff, but (laughs) also the headlines. Um, And they were were talking about how they think that the going salary for a GM is about 400,000, which... Seems light. Seems light. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And then there were people, you know, on Twitter and things that were saying that there's assistant GMs in other teams making more than 400, let yeah. alone that. Oh, absolutely. So I, I thought it was a six figure salary. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Or I, I mean, a seven figure salary. Like, I thought it was in the millions. Yeah, no, and it, I would imagine it probably is for other clubs. But yeah. um, our friend Dundon is making some. I don't know. Like, I don't even know. Like, he's only been with the team for fucking like a month. Yeah. And there's all this shit bullshit that's going (laughs) on. Right. Like they are, you know, they kind of kicked Ron Francis upstairs and they were like, you can still stay with your organization, but you know, you're not going to be involved in any like player personnel decisions or anything like that. So we're at a point where we don't really know what's going on with that. And then of course they were linked to all of these guys like Mike Fuda, for example, from the LA Kings and some assistant GMs from some other teams. Um, I believe Tom Fitzgerald was in there as well. And then, you know, Pierre Lebrun's tweeting like, it's believed that this person has, you know, declined, you know, to continue the, the like recruitment process from, from the hurricanes. So they want it to be like more of a, a, you know, quote unquote private thing. And maybe they can vet, you know, some interest over the summer. I imagine they'll probably yeah. have a new GM by the next season. Well, I think they should move some shit around and offer a real salary. Well, they got to like figure, it. yeah, like you got to figure it out. Um, but, but anyways, that's interesting. I, at some point or another would love to get, 
um, a Carolina Hurricanes like uh, you know fan, blogger, media type, whatever on the podcast because I just can't understand how things uh, you know have continued to get. This well, bad. We need to find a Carolina fan first. They're they're out there. Yeah. They're so if there. any of you are listening and want to be on, just yeah. get at us. Just yeah, at me, please. <laughs> um, so. We watched it when we went out for lunch today. Um, the uh, the Donato goal. The Bruins signed um, our, our friend Donato right out of Harvard, a second round pick. Um, he played with Harvard last year, um, and uh, he played with them this year as well. Obviously, scoring forty three points, twenty six goals, and seventeen assists in twenty nine games. Yeah, which is crazy. That's NC two A hockey, man. NC two A hockey. Oh my god, I hate when you say that. <laughs> Uh, but he, you saw the goal. We watched it. Yeah. And we went out for lunch today. Just a nasty goal uh, on his. Uh, go and give Dunmore la Rondel. I don't know the reference. Give me the puck. <laughs> Gave it away. Got it right back. There you go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Nice shot. Um, but he played really well. Like yeah. I think. I think he's he's the real deal. Um, and of course, like. The Bruins are just having all this luck with all their prospects yeah. starting to work out, which is good because the Leafs are probably going to play the Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. I'm and I'm just interested, yeah, to see how well, this all plays out. Con- like the level of conditioning between like the OHL or the Q or like anything like that doesn't compare to like the con- type of conditioning that, like Division One NC two A like teams get. Like they're playing an intense full season. Yeah, I mean the OHL season or like CHL season is a longer season. Yeah, well, yeah, it's only like thirty games in NC two A, right? Yeah, just I think it's yeah, just about thirty games or twenty eight or thirty two or something. Yeah, like that, something but like that. Yeah, it's they're like they're there for four years. They have a bit more conditioning. Obviously, they're a little older. Yeah, exactly. And so they like have that time to find themselves. Um, and find their playing style while playing with the top players from all around the world already. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the imports are a little stronger in the NC2A Div-, Div 1 loop rather than, like, the OHL or the Q or, like, other leagues like that. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like someone coming out of that system, as we can see, is, like, lighting it up, is going to be have a bit more of a shelf life and one that starts a little, like, quicker than not, right? Yeah. I'm, um, I'm looking at Ryan Donato's... Uh, like Harvard career um, yeah. while he went to school. And I think my understanding is he's still enrolled there as well. Yeah. I mean, full ride at Harvard to play hockey. Why wouldn't you, right? Why would you finish? <laughs> yeah. So in his first season at Harvard, um, freshman year, uh, he played 32 games, 13 goals, eight assists for 21 points. The next year, 21 goals, 19 assists for 40 points. And then 2017, 18, 26 goals, 17 assists for 43. So, like, he steadily got better as time went on. Yeah. Um, and, like, for a second-round pick, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Most people know that it's uh, Ted Donato's son who, uh, you know, played for Boston as well. So just kind of interesting, the family lineage there. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's crazy. Like, it seems like all the Bruins prospects are, like, starting to work out. And I know they got roasted that one year for the three back-to-back first-round picks. And really, DeBrusque is the only one that's really seemingly done anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're they're making up in some other areas, right? So it's, it's, it's gonna interesting. It's going to be a big year for Tommy Shear. 
Oh my god. <laughs> One of the defensemen on our hockey team has the Bruins like the spoked logo tattooed on his forearm and every time we see him we just get into the Bruins very in depth and when I saw him today he was thrilled with our uh with our boy Ryan Donato. <laughs> but uh anyways, well is there anything else that you wanted to chat about at all? I know this is a bit of a melting pot of an episode, just kind of updating everybody and adding some two cents on a few topical things. No, I don't think so. so. Like the TSN released their like top 10, like drafts, like their draft prospects. Yeah. Yeah. But we can save that for next time. Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, I could talk about Evan Bouchard and how I want him to slip <laughs> to the Maple Leafs till I'm, blue in the face we'll we'll have a full draft episode coming up now that the season's rolling out yeah for sure and i mean like there's definitely some people that i'd love the least to target um there's this player carol nishnikov yeah who uh played for barry and then got traded to the sudbury wolves who when he played for barry i was like yes 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 (laughs) and he was supposed to be like a top 60 pick but he slipped significantly because Sudbury was not a very good team this year and he had some injury problems but yeah um I'd love to do like a like a bit more prospect forward episode um in the next little while but uh yeah other than that there's not really much else I wanted to add um as always guys you can listen to hosers on iTunes and SoundCloud feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or you can leave a comment on SoundCloud uh, you can follow Carter and I on Twitter. You can follow me at my newly established handle at Penalty Kills, K I L L Z Z, and Carter Lupel. How do you spell that again? L O U P E L L E. Love that. Perfect. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.